Welcome to Tech Tales. I'm Corbin Davenport. I'm Katie Jansen. And today we are talking about Sagus. Do you remember Sagus? Not, no. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're in for a treat then. Sagus was a company that got a lot of press attention around 2014, 2015. Okay. So not horribly long ago. Yeah, they were a company making a uh, revolutionary smartphone that um, didn't go well. We'll say that. The origins of Sagus is kind of hard to narrow down, but it was founded by this guy named Chad Sayers, who was in South Jordan, Utah, and it was created as a telecommunications company. I was so convinced you were going to say his name was Chad Sagus. Chad Sagus, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Sagus. <laughs> it's close. But um, but it's it's Sayer? It's S-A-Y-E-R-S. So Chad Sayers. Sayers, yeah. okay. <laughs> so this guy had already founded at least one other company called PSNet Inc., which was short for People Savings Network. I don't know what I don't know why, but that's what it was. It seems like that company kind of just slowly morphed into Sagus because, like, on Sagus's, um, like, in most of their, I believe, most of their press coverage, I know on their LinkedIn, they say they were founded in two thousand five, but there there is like an archive of their website from two thousand four that says like Sagus and everything, and it says what they're doing, so. Again, like, I don't know where this PSNet company ends and where Sagus begins, but it's somewhere around 2005. The first attempted product launch that I'm aware of from Sagus was something called Planet Navigator with Plan in capital letters. And it was also just called The Nav. This was advertised as a PDA. Because, again, this is 2004, so we got our 2004 hat on. PDAs are still cool. With usual features like calendar, address book, uh, like an IR sensor for transmitting data, all that fun stuff. But it also had a Linux-based operating system that was supposed to run desktop Linux software uh, with USB host support, a hard drive up to 30 gigabytes, a, quote, gaming design, uh, Bluetooth, GPS, solar panels for charging, and a BlackBerry-like QWERTY keyboard. Does it specify what generation of Bluetooth it, it was at this point? No. I'm but this is like the this isn't like anything resembling what we have today. This is like the jerk from old movies with the the single earpiece. Yeah, yeah, it's not the good Bluetooth. Well, it's never been good, but not the better Bluetooth. Right. <laughs> So that's already a lot, but the main selling point was supposed to be this ability to do video conferencing. So this guy, Chad Sayers, had apparently worked out this way of having a video call over a mobile network with uh, better data compression. So the idea was that you could have a video call that's like, they were saying like 24 to 30 frames per second over a mobile network with this phone. 24 to 30 frames per second that's that's respectable for yeah. 2004 yeah we're still this is like before skype and that kind of stuff 
Well, even still, Skype, that's that's like a desktop class full, yeah. like, big honking com- computer application even even at that time and this is this is ostensibly a device that fits inside your hand right yeah i i think (laughs) i don't know um it it apparently according to their website it won a best of show award at ces 2004 the consumer electronics show i don't know if that's true or not ces doesn't really keep track of that themselves as far as i know so I don't know if that's true. Maybe. They do like handing out those awards like candy, though, so it wouldn't surprise me. Chad Sagus was quoted as saying, I think this is the best of show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as far as I can tell, this was never even close to being released as a product. Um, at one point, they said it was supposed to become available in 2009. That didn't happen. Um, I found one render image of the phone i can send you i don't even know how to describe what this looks like in in words it's like a i can take a stab at it so we've got like this like uh at the bottom you've got the numbers two four six and nine making like a sort of d-pad and then i think i think there's some other numbers crammed around it in an awkward way to make a full number pad and then I guess this bottom part that has the the number pad, D-pad, hybrid mongrel can slide down to reveal a QWERTY keyboard. And then on top of that, there's this very, like, I don't know, Fisher-Price or, like, faux ruggedized looking surround on a display. Does, does that sound like a roughly accurate description to your ear? Yeah. Yeah, it's like... It's it's a very yellow phone. It's a very yellow phone. It does vaguely have the shape of like a BlackBerry, but yeah, the the main panel has like a number pad and then you you slide down the bottom part and there's a keyboard and you still have this tall display on top that's showing a video call. So like the the sliding mechanism is just bonkers to me because like the part that slides away to reveal the keyboard is like the most useless like part imaginable so you've got this keyboard like buried in this enclave like i remember yeah, like the ones that would like on that <laughs> yeah you have to like dig your fingers into this like cove that the the keyboard is buried in listeners please please i beg you to look at this photo it's yeah. ridiculous if i remember um, i'll put a, i'll put a link to the picture somewhere Segus also claimed to have created a web indexing technology they called Advanced Crawler Technology, or ACT for short. I'm going to read their explainer of this from their archived website from 2004. This is So it sounds like maybe they're starting to get their act together. No. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> uh, so they, they said, quote, Our ACT, or Advanced Crawler Technology, is something of a wonder. It is a data miner that mines the internet for information like a miner digs for gold. But imagine that this gold miner was able to search through every particle of dirt in milliseconds. That's what our ACT does. In fact, our efforts to find anyone doing what our ACT does, we have found no equal. We estimate that our closest competitor's accuracy in a search is about 60% in terms of results. Google is about 30 to 35% accurate, meaning that around 70% or so of search returns on Google don't even apply to what someone has searched for. 
Current results and testing show that our ACT searches the deep web and even hidden web pages at 97% accuracy. Pretty exciting, wouldn't you agree? And how is it used, you may ask, to find anything online for anyone in the world at three times better accuracy than Google? New customers, new partners, the latest news in their industry, you name it. If it's accessed online, that's not proper grammar, we can find it for you. Many times more pages are searched than our competitors due to our crawler's ability to move into drop-down menus on web pages. Its built-in artificial intelligence defines the subject of each group of search terms confirming our accuracy claims. It's like a Google on steroids. In just a few months, Sagas will have the most, in capitals, complete database of classifieds on the internet, in addition to our own search engine for all to use. Quote. I love these certified, very real numbers. Uh, also, like, the idea of accuracy. Like, they really are harping on accuracy. What does that even mean? Because this is a search engine or, like, I, a component yeah. of a search engine. Seemingly <laughs> just a search engine. I'm pretty sure this never existed either. I couldn't, I didn't see anything else about it. Fantastic. <laughs> Amazing track record for, for Sagus, formerly, uh, something else some <laughs> other company yeah so all right so we're <laughs> we're going we're going things are going well fast forwarding a few years to july 2009 Sega gets a chief technology officer who's named tim Riker. no relation to the character from star trek the next generation <laughs> <laughs> so they get a ct did they not have one before or? i don't think so <laughs> Yeah, that I, tracks. I, th I think it was just <laughs> Chad. Tracks, I think it was just Chad doing everything, making these renders in SketchUp or whatever. He just he just has a hobby of of making 3D models of products that he wish existed, and so he just just shows them to people and is like, "Oh yeah, this is totally a product that we're making." Yeah, no, it's real. No, it's got Bluetooth. Yeah. And then just enough people believe him that he's like, "Oh, oh no, oh no, I need to like hire someone to make this actually happen." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and this guy's like, you said what? You said you were going to do what? <laughs> Why would you say that? What's wrong with you? Tim Riker previously worked for, according to his own resume, I should say. I'm I'm pretty sure this is real, but I don't know. There's a lot of... Well, Corbin, no one's ever lied on their resume before. Like, how could you even do that? Yeah, there's a lot of, like, air quotes in this in this episode, and I'm sorry, this is the best I can do. <laughs> Um, so, according to his own resume, Tim Riker previously worked for Texas Instruments and Caldera, among other companies, on a wide variety of software projects. Uh, there's a lot of, like, Linux development stuff, a lot of embedded software stuff. He seems to, like, know what he's doing. I don't think this guy is, like, completely full of it, as far as I could tell. That sounds like the kind of skill set you would want involved on the software side of something like this. Yeah. Yeah, you want someone who, like, again, because first of all, that guy promised this phone would run Linux. So you need someone who knows what a Linux is. And also all that embedded stuff that goes into a phone. So that was in July 2009. In November of 2009, there is a CES unveiled press preview. Okay, so wait, I'm sorry. We're all the way up to July of 2009 at this point. So the iPhone's yes. been kicking around for like two whole years at this point. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got, we've got, we've got Android now. We've got Android. Okay. 
So, uh, okay, so yeah, at the CES preview thing in November 2009, Sega shows up to show off what is now called the V-Phone. Oh, the V-Phone. The V-Phone. So I will send you, we're going to watch a video now. Okay. So videos are fun. Videos are fun. Okay, so this is the first time I've seen Sagus spelled out. So it's actually spelled like Sagus. I I thought it was like multiple Sagas. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Sagus. 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 What'd you say, Gus? Amazing. All right, I'm ready. Okay, click play on three, two, one, go. You know, there are a few new Android phones popping out these days. Our next guest has one that just might catch your attention. It's going to be doing some unique things. We want to tell you about it. He's the CEO of a company called Sagus, the future of the Internet. Chad Sayers. Hey, Chad, welcome into tomorrow. How you doing? Good, Dave. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Pleasure to have you with us. Now, how does your phone differ from some of the other Android phones? Of course, one of the ones getting a lot of attention these days, uh, I carry as well, is the Droid, Motorola Droid on Verizon. So what have you got? Well, uh, you, not only is it an Android device, but I think, you know, we look at the Android in, in, the, uh, in the community and we take a look at the different kinds of people that are de developing them, and it's everybody is on Android devices. So they're trying to build one. Sure. But we've been working in the Linux world for a long time. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And fortunately for us, uh, the Android came out, which is great because that was sort of our field as a development company. Uh, we develop a lot of different kinds of software, but our forte really is two-way video calling. So uh -huh. it's, it's been a, an issue around the world. Um, there's probably f maybe 5%, uh, maybe a little better, a little less than that of the networks that can provide two-way video calling. So this is America's first two-way video calling cell phone. And, and, cellular it's on, video and it's on the Android platform, as, as you mentioned, becoming more and more popular. I don't know of any manufacturer that either doesn't have one or is thinking about one or creating one at, at some point. So apparently the Android platform, uh, the popularity of that operating system has become very cool. It really has. It's, I mean, it, and you'll see more and more devices coming out because it is not just because it's free, but it opens it up to the community to develop and continue to develop. So yeah. what we think that is going to happen is the fact that our device has a two-way video capability, it's a low bandwidth, high resolution cellular video capability that has never been done in the United States uh, that we know of. Uh, we've been doing video calls in the U.S. for about two, almost getting close to two and a half years. And we believe that along with the capability of, I mean, you can literally connect through the internet um, eight laptops to this. So it's a pretty exciting device. Yeah, the the, uh, the um, ability to be you know anywhere and not have a connection, but connect through your phone yeah. uh, makes it a very valuable device as well. And of course, the, you know, the Droid's got a cool screen. Uh, we have about the same resolution. It's designed for uh, being able to do media. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, having that uh, and uh, capability with battery for seven hours of talk time is huge. Very. Yeah. That's something else that's not uh, very often heard of in the cellular phone handset industry. So Especially seven hours smart, of talk time. Right. The smartphone is tough to do that. Sure. Because they tend to suck up all kinds of juice for everything that you're running all the various applications and things. That's so. right. So the power management has been a big issue for us. <clears throat> Making sure, excuse me, the video calling capability is very clear and very good. And we've uh, been able to get the kind of support from companies uh, like Verizon. Particularly Verizon has been our, uh, is, the, is the company that we've been working with. We're in their lab right now. Uh, and it's pretty exciting. They seem to be excited about what we're doing, and, and we're working with them closely and uh, look forward to a great relationship with them. Very cool. And right away is a neat gallery. Now, is this on the Android 2.0s? 
platform, the uh, newest OS? Yeah, right now we're doing some testing on, uh, it's not on the that platform yet. We have to make sure we get approval from Google, mm -hmm. but uh, we should be there. We expect it's going to be a device that'll be right up there uh, with the best of the best, especially with that low bandwidth video calling capability. Oh, for sure. And this will be something that we'd have to get, of course, from the carrier. In this case, hopefully Verizon is going to have it first. Is that the plan? That is what our plan is, yes, okay. is to work with them, first of all, make it available to their resellers through the ODI, which is the Open Development Initiative. Uh, we expect to be the, we hope to be the first uh, phone that's approved through them. And real quick, how soon might it be available? We're looking very soon. For us, it's a week-by-week -week thing, and sure. we're hoping it's the end of this year or sooner. Yeah. What a what an incredible video. Even if we just set aside some of the like more aesthetic components, like the fact that this man's name is Dave Graveline, <laughs> or the fact that this looks like like a sports cast from like the seventies or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, some standouts to me from this video are the them quoting. What did he did he say? Seven and a half hours of talk time. I I actually I'm not sure. The one of those stats that also stood out to me is like th plugging in multiple laptop computers. He said to, eight laptops yeah, to get internet. So I'm like, okay, buddy, all right. And he d he Calm didn't down. even say like up to eight or any kind of hedge. Like it, it's just like you can connect eight laptops to this thing yeah. and it'll be great. <laughs> well, there there was still an awful lot of hedging. There was a lot of like we expect to. And we hope. And I saw, like, I noticed, like, at one part, he said, we expect, and then corrected themselves, and we hope to do this. So it's... <laughs> I didn't pick up on that particular one. It's but, very But going non, from we expect to we hope is just, yeah. wow, that's a that's incredible. That's 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 me uh, trying not to stay up until 3, 3 a.m. Uh, we, we hope we won't stay up until 3 a.m. watching YouTube. But, you know, we never know. It's on a week-by-week -week basis. We, we're facing unprecedented headwinds that <laughs> result in, in, in stay-up times yeah. pushing into the into the 3 a.m. territory. Anyway, um, so yeah, they they show great video. Yeah, they show off the f the phone, and this looks very different than that yellow monstrosity. Yeah, so what has Sega's been doing all of this time? Like they they're saying that we've been in doing this low bandwidth calling for two and a half years. Is that is that true? Have they brought a product to market between this time? I'm pretty or, sure they brought th nothing to market. I'm pretty sure it's it was all vaporware. Um or or that turned into this. And that was just all right, never because really that's what I was okay. So not that we he's saying we've been doing a video calling for two and a half years at this point, but they just mean that they've been working on building it for that yeah, time. Like oh, I, it's actually used. I don't it. think they again, like I don't I don't really know. There's not a lot of information from this point. It doesn't seem like they ever released anything. This phone they're showing, it just looks like a normal two thousand nine phone. It's like a it's like a black rectangle that's got some buttons on it. And, um, I don't, yeah, I don't think sure. they showed in the video, but it does have like a, um, I don't know if the droid did this, but like the, the keyboard slides out from the side and you can hold it horizontally to type on. Yeah. There were a lot of those back in the day. Yeah. And there was, <laughs> I love this phone demo because again, like he's, he talked for like a solid. It's so slow. It's, it's very slow. And he talked for a whole minute about like, oh, we're going to do live video calls. That's like our thing we're so good at. He doesn't show a video call. He, he opens that's the true. wallpaper that's, he picker. Doesn't. He opens the wallpaper picker and it's like, look at all these wallpapers. That's it. That's the entire demo. <laughs> 
And it takes like a full second for the wallpapers to load. This is a very slow phone. And the buttons clearly like aren't responding to his. Now, like it's it's hard to give a demo. I want to like be sympathetic to that. Like it's really hard to give a and also a demo that Android in two thousand nine was really bad. It was not good. Is it? Yeah, they were a lot of most phones were like this. But still, if your whole thing is we're unique because we could do video calls, I think you should show that in your demo. I think that's a thing that you should do. So, Corbin, does FaceTime exist yet? It it can't, right? No. No, that was okay. that was at least a couple of years later. I don't know exactly when. Okay. Hello, this is Editing Corbin here to tell you that FaceTime was introduced with the iOS 4 update on June 24th of 2010 which was only a few months after this demo. This demo was in November of 2009. Okay, back to the episode. Uh, so the V-Phone, which was also called the V1, it had a 800 by 480 resolution screen, a 624 megahertz Marvel, or Marvel, M-A-R-V-E-L-L processor with a 5 megapixel camera on the back, it's powered by the cosmic cube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I in this video and I also saw one other uh like hands-on demo that someone wrote about. I forget where exactly where, but in neither of those the video stuff was shown off. So I don't think that existed. Or okay. or at least like was not good enough to show off, which I feel like if you're working on something for that long, you should be able to show something. <laughs> seriously like something anything because that's like the whole thing like if you take that apart this is just a normal bad early android phone right so they've got an android phone that's fine they've got this is this is a real phone you know we've moved up from silly drawing to physical existing phone okay did this get released no of course not (laughs) (laughs) no so okay so this was this was uh, November 2009. It gets shown off again at CES 2010 in January of 2010. At that point, it's running Android 2.0, but it's pretty much the same thing. And they said at that point that they were going they, through... They, they had to ask Google first. Yeah, they had to ask Google to download the, the Git code for Android 2.0. <laughs> and they said uh, it was still going through certification for Verizon, they said. And then we don't really hear anything for like five years. I just they they might have been going to some other press shows, but I couldn't find a lot of coverage of that. Doesn't really seem like they were doing much. Do people like care about this? Like besides whoever said that it was the best in show at CES 2004, that's old news at this point. So is like is someone hot on the beat of Sagus that they're like, boy, I I can't wait for them to come out or. Or they're just they're just kind of uh, toiling away in relative obscurity. I don't I don't think this was like a hot button like release. I think it was okay because there's there's a lot of these uh, trade shows, right? It's like some company bringing out something that they hope is going to be really cool, but it because it's a trade right. show. How, it's how like, many times have have CES shown us a smart fridge that oh it detects what's in your fridge and orders your groceries for you. Yeah, or it's or it's you know like uh, like every time a car manufacturer makes a concept car and it's like the coolest thing, but they'll never put it into production because it's going to be too expensive or like something will break at capacity or something else. So I don't like these trade shows. 
they're they're very much like just a fun gallery of technology more so than like a demo of things that are going to be real sure i'll get a a glimpse into the world of tomorrow yeah like all of them hope it's going to be real obviously and they talk about it like it will be real because it's good marketing so sega mostly drops off the public radar until 2015 when it announces the sega v squared which is okay uh, so they're skipping the v1 they're going straight for the v squared well it was yeah yeah so like when they show the name of this phone it's sega's v and then the little two because it's squared right the v1 just kind of morphed into this it didn't come out so this this new phone has a five inch 1080p screen three gigs of ram 64 gigs of internal storage a 21 megapixel rear camera and a 3100 milliamp battery which is like uh, above mid-range for the time like this isn't Did you like say a 21 megapixel camera yeah that's i mean i know megapixels aren't everything and i don't profess to know a ton about cameras but but 21 megapixels that's that's a fair amount in terms of just pure well, megapixels to say megapixels for the billionth time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I Again, like, none of this ever became real. So I don't know if that was real or if that was going to be a thing. Who knows? But yeah, that, that then again, there's also that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems like they kind of they, they weren't really mentioning the video calling thing anymore, presumably because it was 2015. We had normal video calling on phones now. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm pretty sure FaceTime was out. If not, we definitely had Skype and Google Hangouts and all that fun stuff on uh, normal smartphones. And 2015, like we're in the age of like all the smartphones, with a couple of exceptions, mostly are black glass rectangles. Yeah. Without that video thing, it seems like the idea of this phone or the pitch of this phone kind of just turns into being a a super extra phone. So. This has two micro SD card slots capable of a combined maximum of 320 gigabytes of additional storage. That's cool, I guess. 320 gigabytes across two micro SD card slots. Yeah. I think. I don't know. Were what there the... other devices in around this time that had multiple SD card slots? I feel like I might have heard of that, but uh, I can't remember clearly. I don't think so. I'm, pre- so? I'm okay. pretty sure. No, I know there's there's a lot of phones even now that have two SD, uh, not SD, uh, SIM card slots. Okay. Not really more than one micro SD because that's a lot of space taking up inside the phone. You don't ideally you don't want to have two. Yeah, of those. for for sure. Which is why we have zero SD card slots now. <laughs> right. Yeah, and no headphone jack and no <laughs> nothing else. I assume this also was not released. No. <laughs> of course. I don't I don't necessarily want us to get into spoilers but but do, will we talk about a single product that was released from this company today? Uh No. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Okay. No. Fantastic. No, sadly not. So the the demo unit shown off at CES 2015 um, according to this article from Android Police, which was my former employer, it appeared to be running the Cyanogen Mod 11 custom ROM. So they didn't even like have a real like software. They ported a ROM to this thing, 
and they they said it would eventually ship with Android 4.4 KitKat when it became real. This is the turning point where this is not just vaporware. It's vaporware that Sagus is going to start taking money for. We're down the rabbit hole. We've crossed the Rubicon. This is this is where you you're like you're in trouble now if you yeah. if you screw up now because you're taking people's money. Yes, this is where there is a money investment in this now, uh, from from normal people, I should say. Right. So the Sagus V squared was showed off in 2015. Pre-order registrations opened on their website at the same time, and. If people pre-ordered, they could get the phone for $549, and supposedly when it became a real phone and it went on normal retail, it would cost $599. So if you pre-ordered, you get $50 off. That's that's not a big discount, but that's... That's not a huge discount, but it's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. So, shocker, the uh, estimated release date slipped a few times. Of course. Later that year... In June of 2015, Sagus launches the phone again, kind of. So they launched the phone again. Yeah. So they were they were taking pre-orders on their website, but in June they like launch it as an Indiegogo campaign, like a crowdfunding oh. campaign. I was right about to make the joke of like that's like they've done the Kickstarter and then they realize oh we need more money so let's launch the Indiegogo. Yeah, but no, they've actually they skipped straight to we we launched the product we're taking pre-orders but now oh we're, now it's an Indiegogo. <laughs> so of course they had an excuse for why the phone had not shipped yet and why they needed to do another crowdfunding campaign, and it was that they switched manufacturers. They said the previous one wasn't meeting the company's, quote, stringent quality requirements, quote. I don't know what that means. And the the phone had also changed a little bit since that hands-on again. Uh, of course. So now it had a second SIM card slot. So we're up to two micro SD card slots, two SIM card slots. Two, two SIM card slots is like pretty normal. At, at at this point, like it's yeah, I, I can understand. Yeah, it. so like, that's like not a not a massive engineering task. Are they like touting this as a big like differentiator? Like we've got two SIM card slots and we've got two SD card slots, so you'll be prepped and ready at all times. They're definitely doing it with the SD thing. I, I it didn't seem like they they didn't highlight the SIM card thing all that much. It was just a slight difference. They're they're still mostly touting this as like a. It's like a super fast phone with a great screen and it's got, you know, uh, an IPX rating. You know, it's got like some, so like some water and dust resistance. It's got a lot of storage, blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's, it's still marketed as like this like ultimate smartphone, basically. And uh, they also, in time for the Indiegogo campaign, they switched the micro USB port to USB type C. Uh, okay. So that's good. Um, so now we're going to watch the video that was in the Indiegogo campaign and it has oh a, boy. it has a cameo from a, a tech YouTuber that is still fairly well known. So that's super fun. Okay. Oh, it's, it's that, that one guy. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's the, I forget his name, but it's the guy from Unbox Therapy. Are we going to count it down? Yep. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Hi Indiegogo, my name's Lewis. Have you ever wished your smartphone was a little bit smarter? 
Maybe you wish that it had a little bit more storage or more megapixels. <sighs> no, this is all wrong. Let's be real for a second. We're sick of all these smartphones playing dumb with the bare minimum tech. 16 gigabytes of base storage, 12 megapixel camera, 10 hours of battery life? Really? Is that the best we can get? Well, not anymore. Let me introduce you to the Segus V-Squared. It's got everything you've always wanted in a smartphone. It's even got a bunch of stuff you didn't know you wanted yet. So where is this dreamy wonderland? It doesn't matter, because this is the way you're gonna feel when you realize you're holding a phone with 64 gigabytes of storage standard. And it's even got two, yes I said two, micro SD card slots for another potential 400 gigabytes of storage. That's 464 gigabytes total. I'm gonna let that sink in for a minute. The V-squared has a 21 megapixel camera on the back, which is also capable of 4K video. Then on the front, a massive 13 megapixel camera. You know what that means. It's the world's highest quality selfies. Now listen to this. The V-squared even features Harman Kardon sound technology built right in. Now that's gonna deliver an immersive audio experience for both movies and music. So what good are all of these features if you drop your phone in the toilet? You actually don't have to worry about that. The V-squared is completely waterproof. Now I've got one more thing to show you. Come with me. Now this is the best part. I can take whatever I'm doing here and shoot it up there to that big screen. Wireless HD, lag-free, making it perfect for gaming. Hey, Lewis, how's the game going? It's going well. Guys, these are the founders of Segus. Take it away. Thanks, I'm Chad Sayers. And I'm Tim Riker. We are stoked about the V-squared. We've been designing software for smartphones and smartphones for more than a decade, and we're excited to turn this dream into a reality. Chad and I looked for the phone that we wanted to buy, and we didn't find it. So we took the features that we wanted, pushed the edges of technology, and created the V-squared. We hope that you'll join us on Indiegogo and make this dream a reality. Thank you. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. A lot to unpack Where is there. this dreamy wonderland? <laughs> it doesn't matter. And once again, he's like, we've been designing smartphones for 12 years. You've been designing one phone for 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Where's the phone, Chris? Where, where's the phone? Where is it? My two favorite claims are one, that where is this dreamy wonderland? It doesn't matter. That's amazing. But my other favorite claim is that you don't have to worry about that because it's completely waterproof. Not like it has this IP such and such rating. Not anything like it's water resistant up to these parameters. No, it's completely waterproof. <laughs> That's a huge claim. I think it was like IPX7. So it wasn't even like... Oh my goodness. Yeah, so like that is waterproof and that if like some rain drops onto the screen, it will probably not kill the phone. Because the IPX ratings, those are the ones that are primarily for dust, yeah. right? All these companies, when they make this kind of hardware, they always say water resistant and dust right. resistant. You can't say proof. <laughs> yeah. That is not true. This, you know, like any, any, of this, any of these things will die if you leave them in water for long enough. 
Man, just because con- like, it, can we get a check in again on what the wh- where we're at in the timeline? It's like 2016 now, right? This is June 2015. This is June 2015. Okay, so phones are getting more and more waterproof every year at this point. Still, we're like a year and a half away from from the iPhone with no headphone jack, ostensibly in the service of water resistance. Like, yeah, like we're not at the level of every other phone is you can dunk it in the tub for. 20 minutes and it's going to be probably okay. Yeah. Um, so that was a fun uh, thing. And also this, this Indiegogo campaign was a little bit sketchy because. Indie- as, as Indiegogo campaigns tend to be. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was Indiegogo allowed them to backfill this new campaign with everyone who already placed a pre-order for the phone. So as soon as the campaign went live, if you looked at the page, it was like, oh, you know, hundreds of people just, you know, signed up for this. And this is not like an addendum in the description. This is Indiegogo's like in-app or or on-page like counter yeah, yeah. of how many people have backed this product, how much uh, funding has been raised ostensibly through indiegogo but no it's this they're counting pre-orders that were logged on another website <laughs> yeah that was not clear anywhere um so that's cool i i knew indiegogos were like kind of sketchy as far as crowdfunding goes but like the, everything every additional fact that i learn about indiegogo like makes them uh more and more sketchy the more i learn about them <laughs> and, and also what uh indiegogo campaigns also did a lot of which i i think this happened on indiegogo because kickstarter never allowed it i'm not sure a lot of indiegogo campaigns historically had uh what's called flexible funding which meant that on all these campaigns you can set a goal and the goal is supposed to be the like minimum amount we need to make this into a real thing um but what indiegogo allowed um and this was a flexible funding campaign the segus campaign was just any amount of money gets sent to the company. Um, and yeah, it, so, it doesn't so to have clear, to reach its goal for them to get the on money. On Kickstarter, right, like you have, like, say your project needs $10,000. If you only raise 7000 no one gets charged. You get no money. Right. But on Indiegogo, if your goal is 10000 and you raise 7000 then everyone still gets charged and you get you get $7,000. Is that a correct summation of, of the flexible funding model? Yes, Except it okay. wasn't like for all Indiegogo campaigns. It was just a thing they allowed. So most companies did it because it's like, why would you not take people's money? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I always remember associating that with Indiegogo. Like that yeah. that being the thing that was their differentiator from Kickstarter. Like, oh, hey, like uh, it's not shady. Just like sometimes you don't quite make it over the finish line and you should still get something instead of nothing. So uh, flexible funding. Yeah. What? Uh, that's rife for abuse. Yeah um and okay so that was that was in june 2015 when they should have already been shipping the phone they took pre-orders for six months prior um in november 2015 they still don't have a phone but sega signed a five-year deal for an entire floor of an office building located at 10421 south jordan gateway in uh utah so they don't have a phone yet, but they now have an entire floor of an office building. And they got a giant Sega's logo on the side of the building. 
Great. Yeah, that's a good use of money. Things known to not cost a lot. Commercial office space, office real estate, commercial real estate, and massive massive like signage or billboards or things like that like yeah yeah these are these are economical purchases <laughs> they can't afford not to buy it corbin <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh okay so shocker by the end of 2015 no one had their phone yet uh but Sega's kept like occasionally posting updates about various testing and certifications and by this point, the phone the phone had a Snapdragon 801 chipset, which was like fine when it was announced, like almost two years ago at this point. But now it's really old. There's like anything else you can get for $600 is going to be better, at least in terms of performance. I don't know. Maybe you're like really desperate to have to two SD card slots or whatever, but it had an old hardware at this point and an old version of Android. Like this uh, was supposed to come out with Android 4.4. Um, and now Android 5 Lollipop was out, and I think maybe another update. I think the, the reason why Sega's got away with this for so long is that they were very good at making it look like they were almost done for a period of, like, 10 years. 10 years they were, like, on the cusp of, like, we've got a phone, we just need to do some testing, we just need to get it certified on networks, we just need to, you know, get the FCC regulation checked out, which is like, that's a thing that takes time. Like all these certifications that takes months and months. This is a startup company, so a lot of, you know, tech people and tech publications were willing to give them a little bit of leeway. Like, okay, we understand it might take longer for your phone to get certified because you're not Samsung. But it's hard to make hardware. It's yes. it's a difficult process. Yeah. So like none of this is e- none of this is easy. But also like the timeline kept slipping and yet they were still supposedly on the cusp of shipping these. Like when you they they still have their entire Twitter profile public, which is really funny, and they haven't really deleted anything. So like you can go through oh, their man. their Twitter, which is uh, at Sega's, and they just have tweet after tweet of like. We got this certification done. You know, uh, Verizon says we can use their network now. We're testing on AT&T. We're testing on Sprint. We're testing, uh, you know, it's going through the FCC certification. And eventually they show, like, the phone being tested in whatever factory it's being made in. And they have, like, rows of, of boxes of the phone, presumably with the phone inside ready to ship or something. But but for but they're just photos of boxes. For all we know, they're just empty boxes. Probably. Stun- yeah probably are (laughs) like they're just they're very good at this so that campaign was in june 2015 in january 2016 they switched manufacturers again and they again they decided to do more designing in-house because they had already changed manufacturers two or three times and i guess no one no one could do what they wanted or something i don't know if 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 you want something done right, you do it yourself. After all, they've been designing smartphone yeah. software and hardware for 12 years, right? For 50 years, yeah. <laughs> for 50 years. Uh, so. Designing so, smartphones forever and ever 100 years. Yeah. And they did another marketing push in February of 2016 at that year's Mobile World Congress, which is like CES, but just for phones, and it's in Europe. And Right. I've heard, I've heard of the Mobile World Congress, yeah. Yeah. And by that point, it was now running Android 6.0 Marshmallow, but it was otherwise pretty much the same phone. I think it still had that old 
Snapdragon chip in it. Um, and oh, good. By this point, like most news outlets are tuning out. They're like, I don't, I don't know about this anymore. I might not come out. If they do cover it, they're they're saying things like, "This product was originally slated to launch yeah. two years ago." Yeah, yeah, because like their big push that really landed them on the radar of everyone was in early 2015 at like that CES. So we're already more than right. a year later. They still haven't shipped a phone. So now there's like more general awareness of like, oh, this is a company that just is not probably going to not ship this or is going to take a really long time. Who knows? They said in August of 2016 that it was restarting the certification process with the FCC uh, because I guess they changed the phone's main board at some oh point my and gosh. it needed to get recertified. Yeah. In January 2017, there's an interesting article published by Phone Arena where one of their people, uh, Maxwell Ramsey, uh, visits the Sega's office. Uh, because he has a doctor's appointment in the area, and he's, he's wanted to see what's going on at the office. They have a giant entire floor of an office building with a giant Sega logo on the side. Hey, I'm I'm in the area. Let yeah. me check that out. <laughs> so I'm going to quote from their article. Uh, Ramsey said, quote, As it happened, I was due for a follow-up to be prodded by scientists, radiated by CT technicians, and evaluated by doctors in Salt Lake City. I made it a point to set aside enough time for me to stop by Sega's headquarters and see what's what. I love that phrasing. That's just... <laughs> uh, it was not hard to generate a preconceived notion of what I would see when I walked in. The building is a smallish office complex with multiple tenants. Sega's was the, quote, anchor tenant, quote, with its branding on the building, and it occupied the whole fifth floor. The elevator doors opened, and as I stepped out, I was met with silence. I looked to find the receptionist desk behind a set of glass doors empty with a little sign that said, out for a bit, please call. If it had been lunch hour, that sign would have made sense, but it was 3.30 in the afternoon. Were the doors unlocked? You can imagine how this write-up might have gone if the offices were locked in the middle of the business day in the middle of the week. Thankfully, the doors were unlocked, so I stepped in and called the number on the placard noted. I listened to the office phones ring, and then no one answered. However, I could hear voices in discussion somewhere down the hall. And then he eventually goes on to say, not bringing a product to market is not an option, according to Chad. The V-squared is the sole focus. The V-squared seems to be finally poised to clear the FCC and be ready for AT&T and T-Mobile networks, suggested to be ready in a matter of weeks. He says the Snapdragon 801, as a solid CPU from Qualcomm as it is, is basically at the end of its life. Sega promises a lofty free exchange for V-squared owners. Sometime after the current spec models released, those that pre-ordered will be able to trade in their V-squared for a new device with beefier specs, namely a Snapdragon 820 CPU, same device upgraded components. We will not share the suggested timeline as it was simply not believable given the past two years. Over the course of like technology history, I've heard a couple of these like exchange programs where they're like, we know we're shipping it with outdated specs. If you get one and you want better specs, just give it back to us and we'll, 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 we'll upgrade it for you. Has anyone ever delivered on that? Uh, I don't think so. Cause also that would be a lot of money. Like yeah. to manufacture a whole line and then most of the people, cause like all of the orders at this point are pre-orders. So, I think the, closest thing i've heard to that that like actually like shipped and was decent was that like you could there was a, a mac that you could upgrade after the fact but i believe the hardware was current when it was released and they that what they sold was an upgrade 
kit or or they would upgrade it to more contemporary hardware but that was years later after in a product that actually existed on both sides yeah just very very weird in april 2017 sega said that the phone was still coming and anyone who pre-ordered would be upgraded to a version with the newer snapdragon 835 when it became available in August 2017, Sega said the phone passed FCC certification, and the phone did indeed show up on the FCC's online database. I thought it was also very funny, when you look at their Twitter, they posted articles about the phone showing up at the FCC multiple times over the months after that. As if, like, guys, <laughs> very look... Very normal our, behavior. Yeah, our phone's real, guys. Look, look, all these blogs posted about... The FCC about, has one. Yeah. It's, it's all very silly. The next substantial update is in February 2018, in which Sega said it switched the Harman Kardon speakers on the phone to, quote, HD speakers that deliver an equal sound quality, quote. They had to do this because uh, Harman Kardon was acquired by Samsung in 2016. Nice. and, And they didn't say this part, but I'm guessing whatever license they had expired. And Samsung was like, no, we're not letting other phone companies use this anymore <laughs> i can't ever remember hearing of of harman kardon before presumably they just folded it into samsung and like, like yeah. harman kardon's not a thing anymore just like samsung has ostensibly better audio now yeah samsung i don't see them using i know harman kardon still exists like i think you can get like speakers and headphones oh, really? just under that name but okay the one that samsung has really taken to using their logo on everything is uh, akg which they also bought mm. so like all of their like earbuds and stuff are like sound by akg because they can just okay slap that name on anything in march 2018 sega said the phone was undergoing software testing and certification to include google mobile services which is the thing you have to do before an android phone can have the google play store and everything else that's useful the last update about the phone was posted in april 2018 when sega said it tested verizon cdma network compatibility and the phone was already working on at&t and t-mobile and testing was about to start for sprint uh, that's the last public update for the Sega's phone. And so this is March 2018, a full three years and three-ish months after the original debut on the show floor. <laughs> well, original in quotes. Original in quotes. <laughs> um, yeah, it gets so fuzzy because eventually you tie it back to the yellow thing and you're like, where does this start? Yeah. Where does it end? Who knows? Yeah. And it's tw- it's 2022. I'm sure Sega's is going to come out with the V cubed any day now. Any day now, yeah. Yes, that was the final like public update about the phone on the Twitter account. There was one newer tweet on the account from October 17th of 2020, which was over two years since that last update, and it was a post sharing a Fox News link of a clip from Laura Ingram's show in which she introduces her dog she adopted from a rescue in Arkansas named Zoe. Very normal thing for it. Someone just accidentally was still logged into the, the Sega's account instead I mean, of the personal account. Just retweeted I, the article about a dog. It would, I don't know if it was accidental, because it's been there for two years now. They're like, that's nah, fine. Just leave it up. Who cares? How much money did they raise between the Indiegogo and the pre-orders? Oh, we're getting to that. Okay. 
this whole time, there's people who drop $600 or almost $600 for this phone in right. 2015, 2016, who don't have a phone. And, um, like, a lot of the comments on the Indiegogo are pretty rough. They're like, uh, so I've got, I've got three I found that are enlightening. Uh, oh, oh boy, I can't one wait. Of them, one of them said, almost a year and no updates. This sucks, and Indiegogo are doing nothing to help. Not sure if we will ever get the phone. For sure we will never see the money. Another said, guys, Lewis from Unbox Therapy would have never presented this project if it wasn't serious. He is one of the most popular YouTubers out there. He probably knows a lot about what's going out. I suggest you ask him in his channel. He is serious and professional and will no doubt inform us backers of the project. Yeah, very serious and professional, like looking at the camera making a face while there's a flush sound. Yeah. Um... And then another one said, it's hilarious that some people are all waiting for their phones. I've had the Samsung Galaxy S5, S7, and now the S8 since I was refunded from my V-squared back in 2015. These guys are such jokers. It, does, it, it is funny to me how that person says that, that Unbox Therapy is one of the most popular channels. Not one of the most trustworthy, not well-regarded, just they're popular. So obviously that, that means everything. <laughs> and they're just saying that. I don't think he ever said anything else about this project. For his sake, I kind of hope not. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I would kind of hope, like, if he did this, he would be like... He, like, apologized. Yeah, be like, yeah, I, I shouldn't have promoted that product. I'm very sorry. Like, as a minimum, feels like something you probably have to do if you're, like... Because, again, like, he was, like, you're using your influence in that video. Yeah, definitely. You do have to, like, make the calculation if you're, like, drawing more attention to it by, like, yeah. making that video. And so, like, I can see someone coming to that conclusion. No, it's better if I just don't say anything. Um, but, yeah, yeah, no, that 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 sucks. That That's that's horrible. <laughs> uh, okay, so, again, that last tweet that was a Fox News clip was in October 2020. On April 20th, 2021, Sega CEO Chad Sayers was charged with one count of securities fraud by the United States Justice Department in the District of Utah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so Only one count? Well, well, we'll get to that. But Oh, um, okay. <laughs> the DOJ alleged that beginning in or around 2006. So, again, they don't really know either when this started. <laughs> The Department of Justice has no better idea when this started than we do. The DOJ alleged that beginning in or around 2006, Sayers offered and sold investment opportunities in Sagus to an estimated 300 investors throughout the United States, raising at least $10 million in the last five-year period based on false information. See, that, that's what will always get you. You can, you can scam customers as much as you want, but if you're scamming investors, you're going you're gonna to get got. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this is literally the only time there is ever justice against large corporations in the United States. or not. Well, not in this case large, but like in general. Right. So, so now I'm going to read everything Sega's did wrong according to the United States government. Are you ready for this? All right, I'm ready. Lay it on me. Sagus was advertising itself as an investment that would return 100 times the original investment amount. Uh, cool. They were repeatedly saying that the Sagus V squared was in the final stages of development, and the DOJ cited the Sagus Twitter account there. Sagus was regularly using business accounts for Sayers' personal expenses, including paying personal loans, credit card bills, 
personal rent, personal legal fees, and car payments. Oh, good. Good. Se- <laughs> yeah. Segus was repaying old investors with new investor money. He's literally doing a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. <laughs> Segus was not disclosing that it had been attempting to release a smartphone since at least 2006. Segus was not disclosing its debt to investors. Uh, see, I have to, I have to challenge that last claim that they didn't disclose that they've been trying to release a smartphone since 2006. They're always saying they've been designing smartphones for, for over a decade. Yeah. Like, how could... <laughs> Segus was not disclosing that it was being sued by prior investors. Oh, great. What, wonderful. Uh, it was not disclosing that Verizon's certification for the V-squared expired in 2013 and was never renewed. In 2013, two years prior to when they they ever said the like the name V squared, right? Yeah, yeah. And Man. Uh, they were also paying approximately forty two thousand dollars per month for office building rent, ten thousand dollars a month on a consulting contract, and ten thousand dollars per month for the Sega sign on the outside of the office building. You don't need any so of you this. know money well spent. Yeah, you know, they're 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 prioritizing all the right resources. Like what 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 could fault them? Like, and again, what could all, possibly all, go wrong here? All of this is alleged, but it does allegedly alleged. I don't you know I can't verify these exact numbers, obviously, but it is very easy to go on the Internet Archive and go to Segus.com and see in 2004 that they were saying they were going to release a phone soon. What nobody realizes is that they just meant the Blizzard definition of soon. Half the Half Life three of smartphones. We did eventually get another Half Life game. That's so. true, and we don't have a Sega's phone. So checkmate, liberals. <laughs> so that initial lawsuit in April twenty twenty one got a lot of press attention. Obviously, like all of the tech blogs were like, "Oh yeah, this thing we covered years ago is now definitely a scam." or alleged scam but the justice department's website where everyone was sourcing that from was never updated it and i couldn't find any news coverage of how that lawsuit was going um so i did a slight bit of investigative journalism in that i signed up to pacer which is the electronic access system for u.s federal court documents so i spent 20 minutes trying to figure out how to sign up for this and find the 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 this court case uh it was a government website so surely it had a very like (laughs) easy to understand and and easy to navigate sign up flow right very intuitive design yeah 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 i do i don't want to belabor this too much but i do quickly want to say like i really hate how like we always have to say like oh it's an alleged scam like yeah but well you know it's well (laughs) My, my if you response, walk into a grocery store and steal money from someone, like we, we then you get you're guilty. Never mind any kind yeah. of context or any kind of anything like that. The but if a corporation steals money from you, oh, it's an it's an alleged scam. Yeah. Well, my my response to that would be: Has the United States government always been truthful and honest? That's and fair. I, I would say. Uh, so you know, of but course. but again, like. Based on everything in public record, it really does look like a scam. And again, like even even ignoring this lawsuit, this company took money for a phone years ago that just still does not exist. So it is 
verifiably a scam just to what extent is alleged right <laughs> um so anyway i i sign up for the stupid website uh i have information that i do not believe has been reported anywhere else so this is like a tech tales exclusive kind of except it's it's public records it's just no one bothered to check this so on july 13th of 2021 the justice department obtained a new indictment against sayers uh, he was charged on fraudulent interstate transactions, uh, also known as securities fraud. Uh, he's also charged on wire fraud and money laundering. Money laundering. <laughs> money laundering. He pleaded, uh, Chad Sayers pleaded not guilty on July 22nd, 2021, and was assigned a public defender by the court, and he was released on parole. So he, he wasn't like, you know, sitting in jail. Is there any mention at all in these documents that you found of like where the illicit money that had to be laundered is allegedly or supposedly sourced from? Um, there's no mention of that. I mean, it was like all these investors that he went to and was like, "Look, I'm making a phone. I just need a you know a couple million." Okay, so so he's 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 got like an investment that's like money. And he's basically being loaned, and right. he's like laundering that into cash. That, that right. That that original report from the DOJ said that like he was getting investors starting around two thousand six, and that he you know when he got new investors he was paying off old investors with that new money. So like he just and then I, they're I, suing I, him because they're like you're just taking my money and paying other people. What are right. you doing? This is literally a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So he was released on parole, so he was not sitting in jail during this, which is that's fine. Like he didn't like harm anyone physically. He just stole a lot of money. This this guy obviously sucks, but uh, it it is always funny to me when people steal money from investors. Like I just I can never be mad mad at that. Like it's just it's just endlessly yeah. hilarious. Yeah, like this guy, you know, gets gets indicted by the DOJ and just kind of chills at home for a while while everything plays out. But like, if you steal a couple bucks from a store and you're like some black person, boom, you're dead. Cops will shoot you. Dead. Or, or the best case, your life is ruined forever. Yes, exactly. You can't get a job because you're you're a convicted felon. Like your life is over. Very normal country. Yeah. On October twenty seventh of twenty twenty one, he was ordered by the court to not have communications with several people involved in the case, most notably Tim Williams, who was the chief financial officer for Segus. So. I guess he's involved in this, which I mean, like, that's what I would expect. Like if you're running a, a, like a scam company, then like your, your main financial person would probably be aware of it or helping you. Was, was, was Tim Williams or whatever his name is? Was he indicted? I don't, I don't know. Honestly, all of these documents, the website is not easy to read. And I don't understand most of the words in the documents because I'm not, sure. a, I'm not a lawyer or anything closely resembling one. Right. <laughs> It sounds like he was a smart financial officer helping his boss run a yeah. scam. He's he's keeping himself clean. He's he's making sure that all the blame ends up. Oh, I uh, I I didn't know he was telling the investors all this stuff. I told him the real numbers. So if he was telling other stuff to investors, that's not on me. Yeah, no idea. And then, as far as I can tell, nothing really happened for almost a full year. Like this is just like big courtroom stuff like it always takes forever for like a jury trial to get set up and that kind of stuff sure there was a pre-trial hearing held on october 7th of 2022 where the u.s alleged that he was violating his release agreement i don't know how because again they're using words i don't understand but they were seeking to have him arrested 
there was a hearing. The court found that two of the government's motions were valid, but not the other three that were presented. So he was not imprisoned, but he was deemed a partial flight risk. I don't, I don't think anything's changed, but uh, he couldn't get a passport. He couldn't open additional lines of credit and he couldn't work in the financial industry. This is insane. We're going to cut to like, so now we're coming up to basically moderate times at this point at, at, at this point, like the only way that this could still continue to escalate is that a year from now we'll be doing an update to this this episode where he's like on the run from the law, like yeah. he's he's gotten a fake ID and has has like hopped a border into like Costa Rica or something somehow. <laughs> I mean that might that might happen. <laughs> That's not entirely implausible, I guess. The most recent update I saw was on November second of twenty twenty two which was when Sayers replaced his assigned defense attorneys with attorneys from a private law firm. So, yeah, like that's that's the latest in the legal stuff. I I don't usually like doing episodes of like a technically ongoing situation, but like it's like definitely clear that like this is a scam, the phone's never coming out, all that stuff. It's just to what extent will he be prosecuted under the law? This this has been a truly insane roller coaster ride <laughs> yeah wrapping up i kind of wanted to do a like where are they now thing about everyone involved in this but there's not okay. a lot of online information about most of these people like some of them have like linkedin profiles but they haven't posted anything to them and it doesn't seem like they've been updated in a long time can you explain this gap in your employment <laughs> <laughs> well have you heard of the department of justice <laughs> Oh, is that where you were working yeah. for this time? <laughs> yeah, just just taking a you know multi year gap where I get sued for scamming people. I spent multiple years working closely with the Department of Justice <laughs> to resolve conflicts, yeah. conflicts I caused, of course. But you don't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> that is a hundred percent what like you would do on LinkedIn. <laughs> I did find uh, that Tim Riker, the chief technology officer who was in that um, Indiegogo video, um, he has a public Facebook profile. Um, oh. So he still lists Sagus there as his current job, which is very funny to me. That is very funny. <laughs> he just goes into the office every day, yeah. the $42,000 <laughs> a month office, and just, just, you know, punches in some keys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, it seems like he still does like some like software development stuff. I know according to his website, so who knows, he was um, at least at some point since he started working at Sagus, he was also doing software development work for the Mormon church. Like he was like working on their like mobile apps. I know when, when I'm the CTO of a corporation, I want to be, you know, freelance web uh, app development for, for the, the Mormon church. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, like all these people are in Utah. What else are you going to do in Utah? Like what else is there? That's fair. <laughs> so this uh, Tim Riker, his Facebook profile is very interesting. Um, he has a Parler account linked on his profile. Oh, good. <laughs> which for anyone who doesn't know, Parler is like one of the like really bad uh, far right, quote unquote, free speech networks where people mostly just talk about 
how racist they are and how they it's important to emphasize the air quotes around free speech because they just remove different posts that they don't like in a very hilariously like blatantly hypocritical fashion it's just i can't i didn't i can't believe parlor is still around in any capacity i thought wow i thought they were gone for also parlor is the app where a lot of people coordinated the uh January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol building, and that got them removed from all the app stores for a while until they supposedly cleaned up their mess. I don't know to what. Okay, they so did, they've but... been they've been reinstated on the app stores. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's the, that's the part I didn't know. I didn't know that they were ever reinstated on the app stores. <sighs> yeah. So he's got a parlor account. Um, I don't know what's on it because apparently to look at someone's parlor account, you have to make an account yourself and. I don't want to do that for many reasons, so I don't know what's on there. I'm sure it's some juicy stuff. He does have like some political posts on his Facebook, like I'm guessing like the watered down versions of maybe what he talks about elsewhere. He made one post on January 8th, 2021, so two days after the attack where like multiple people died. Uh, he said something about not condoning violence, which I guess is good. Uh, but he said the attack on the Capitol building was carried out by, quote, a few people, some of which have already been confirmed to be Antifa slash Black Lives Matter activists, quote. <laughs> confirmed. Confirmed by who, Tim? <laughs> yeah. Just to be really clear, that is not true. <laughs> this was a conspiracy theory that popped up like almost a few hours after it happened to like try to deflect the fact that all these conservatives just tried to do a coup and they uh it showed up on like fox news a couple hours later that like supposedly a lot of the people involved in the attack were on the left that's not true um i'll i'll include a link to an article by uh reuters in the show notes that explains basically all the examples of people they used either no one knows who they were or they definitely were not antifa or black lives matter (laughs) activists also the office building used by sagas in south jordan utah is still there um obviously it's not their building (laughs) does it still have the giant sagas logo this is what the world needs to know no it does not no Oh, so the the main tenant is now a company called motive health insurance company and according to uh, Google Maps Street View from like a few months ago, their logo is on the side of the building. I don't know when the Sagas logo got taken down. So um, they they bought the off they purchased the office space. They made the five year deal in like 2015, 2016. So so the five year deal has run out now as of twenty twenty. Is that is that what I'm to understand? Um, I guess I don't <laughs> I don't I don't know because like I don't know if like that five year deal is contingent on like them. Like you still paying them? I don't know how this works, but um, I don't imagine they have an office space there anymore. And I looked through the the Google Maps uh, item for that office building, and it has a bunch of like like uh, real estate attorney offices and like a lawn care place and other stuff. So I would imagine that office that entire floor of office space that Sega's got is probably occupied by someone else now. Um, so that's Sagas. Um, again, I wish this had a conclusion to the legal stuff, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen for a while. And I already wrote a lot of this by the time I found out that it was an ongoing situation. So this is what we're stuck with. Sagas, a saga for the ages. (laughs) Yeah. We'll just do, you know, we'll do a, I guess we'll do a follow up at some point, maybe. 
I look forward to it. <laughs> Speaking of things looking forward to, I look forward to your plugs. Okay, I've got some plugs. Uh, you all should go to uh, conundream.itch.io slash coldlight and buy my video game. It's very good, and it will make you it'll make your life better. And that is a product that, in fact, exists. I, I, can, I can say this. This is a product that, in fact, exists. You can exchange nine American dollars and 99 American cents to receive a copy of Coldlight for your Windows personal computer. Wow. Already better than Sega's. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to update the itch page with better than Sega's Corbin Davenport as a as a pull <laughs> quote. And okay, but is there a cold light um, office building somewhere? Uh, not yet, but okay. you know we're we're looking into it. So so look look out office buildings for a giant a giant targeting reticle logo to be on the side of your building. <laughs> if you are in fact an office building. Please contact Katie. Please do not contact me if you are in an office building. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, if you want to, you can also follow me on Twitter uh, at 347online. I haven't posted in like four years, so there's that to be aware of, but but you can. Uh, or if you want to follow Conundream to see where what when my next game comes out, uh, you can follow at Conundream. At K-O-N-U-N-D-R-E-A-M. Assuming Twitter's still functioning by the time you hear this episode. Uh, assuming Twitter... A big if at this point. <laughs> a big if. Um, it's going to be really fun when I do a 30-part series on one week at Twitter on this podcast. I guess I, guess I need to get with the program and get and get uh, get a Conundry Mastodon uh, profile going, but uh, but I haven't done that yet. <laughs> Well, TechTales is on Twitter at TechTales Show and on Mastodon at TechTales at MAS.TO. The links for those are in the show notes, along with all of the sources we're using and the videos and the legal case you can look up in the government's federal legal system thing. I don't know if I can link to those or not. And uh, there's there is an official subreddit at r slash techtales podcast. It's kind of like a comment section. So if you want to talk about episodes there, you can. And uh, thanks for listening. And we will be back in your podcast feed soon. Just not about Sega. So that's going to take a while. <laughs> a while indeed. <laughs>